Welcome to Core Lords, a deep dive into surfing's underground where we profile some of the all-time characters um, who've basically, I don't know, sometimes been forgotten by history uh, or exist kindly, kind of uh, only in uh, whispered rumours uh, in the doldrums and car parks of underground surf culture and iconic surf spots. Uh, our next guest today, uh, this is... Basically the first ever episode of Core Lords, but it was a bit lost under the pile of live episodes and uh, other stuff that we were doing, but we've been sitting on it for a while because it's an absolute belter of an episode and we wanted to make sure that we got <laughs> it right. It's a belter. <laughs> How good is it, rinsed corn? <laughs> it's a belter. It's one of the best. It's an absolute belter, Smithy. And you know what stokes me out more than anything, mate? It's, it's that we were in the heart of Dungutty country, mate. We went to the cream surf shop which uh, is well worth visiting on your trips up and down the coast. I know a lot of people, as uh, you know, the pandemic comes to an end, Smith, they're going to be jumping in the Forbies or jumping in their shit wagons or their panos or whatever it is and uh, zooming up and down the coast to get reacquainted with uh, life outside of lockdown. And, man, if you're going up the highway, pull off at the Kempsey turnoff, take the Crescent Head Road turnoff on the south end of Kempsey, and about 50 metres past that turn off, you'll just see this little red brick, ancient old... Uh, oh, it's uh, a core hole. Industrial a estate. Hole. It's a, but how's what's inside that joint, Smivy? How's the actual, like, just mind-bending brain explosion that you encounter when you get in there? Just that trip through time, the surfboards. Oh. Cream Surf Shop has to be one of the most iconic little uh, collections of paraphernalia and just madness. You know, it's like uh, going through the looking glass, Alice in Wonderland shit. Mm, and it belongs, of course, to the po- former pipe master, uh, veteran of a brief stint in a Japanese prison cell and the star of North Shore, the movie Robbie Page. Uh, and I don't think, as you said, Vaughn, any mission up the coast or to Crescent Head is complete without a stop in at Crean. You can, you know... Like you said, it's uh, like going through the looking glass and uh, into this weird, wacky world of 70s, 80s, 90s surf memorabilia. But, you know, the beauty of it is you can uh, you can still rip a hot one with Pagey out the back if you want. It's like, you know, you can still live the dream and uh, sample a dream. It's it's all very, uh, very rigid-dig, very cool, for lack of a better word. And, uh, yeah, you know, you're dealing with a proper first Australian there. So who, who, who else would you rather flick a few beans to than... A local core lord who's keeping the spirit alive, nursing his people uh, back to health. Uh, so we're about to hear from Pagey uh, in what is one of the most emotional and raw episodes we've ever done. He's got his good mate, Eddie Moran, uh, who he, another black fella who grew up in the houses with down there at uh, Balambi and... Yeah, just like two of the most iconic underground surfers this country has ever produced. Uh, it's such a great chat, and obviously, as you'll hear, dedicated to John Shamuka. Um, so, you know, there's going to be some some pretty real talk about mental health issues in this, and just a yeah, just a warning to any swellings. You know, if you you know someone who's struggling, um, or you think that they're struggling, you know, take the appropriate steps to you know, have the right kind of conversation in the right way with them, which is just being gentle um, and trying to lead them in the right direction, uh, whether it be to one of the government help agencies or just, you know, fucking psych them up and get them on the Wim Hof program, meditation, uh, exercise, eating well, 
Um, just get the fundamentals right, sleep hygiene. Um, there's a number of things that you can do in that space. But yeah, so this is this is a pretty raw chat. It's one of the best we've ever done. Um, yeah, Smithy, uh, you, you bang on there, mate. And um, look, before we get into this, uh, we, we've opened up the door, Smithy. Four Lords has produced an epic opportunity for us to get Core Lords involved. We wanted to uh, open up the partnership channels with Swellians, mate. Let's do it. A couple of core ads for the Core Lords. A couple of core ads. And our first one is for diverse air conditioning services, mate. Aircon and mechanical. Uh, now, this is a long-time Swellian. Michael Nigsey, if you are anywhere from Goldie to Brisbane and beyond and you want to uh, beat the heat of summer, well, Nigsey is your man. I mean, I know that you get a bit sweaty out there on the farm, Smith. It's, it's a humid place, the old Wardell fucking humidity pit. Oh, the Wardell swamp. Oh, mate, once you're uh, in one of the... If you've got a ridge to the north of you and you're on the north coast and you're not, you're not getting that northerly, you need aircon, my friend, and I'll be getting aircon... From our boy, diverseaircon.com.au, 100% frothing to uh, cool the cags off, to rinse the corn <laughs> on that ice-cold jet stream. Oh, it's going to be good, Vaughn. This is going to be the summer of ice-cold corn for Smitty. Nigsy is offering free quotes for all Swillians, friends, and their family. Diverseaircon.com.au. Get on it. And uh, check out his Insta as well, which is at Diverse Aircon. How good does it feel shouting out a few Swellian businesses? I'm feeling the energy already. Get on it, Swellian. Support your fellow Swellians. Every dollar's a vote. Let's pool resources and start taking over the world like the fucked up weirdo anarchist surf cult that we are. I'm mad. And uh, yeah, just by the way, mate, yeah, Niggs is his Instagram handle. You should see the guy. He knows how to pack a few. What? That's the kind of person I want installing aircon at my joint. Someone who knows how to cool the cones up. That's right. Just dripping wet hands all over the electrics. What a legend. And mate, uh, our second support sponsor in this episode is Mug. Now, uh, Mug is a band. They've got their debut EP coming out. It's called Possum Tales. Have a little listen to this. Get this up here. Mug is a band fronted by Jai Kugel and in the fine tradition of surfers naming themselves after Animal Tales, a.k.a. Jake Patterson, Snake Tales, Dingo Morrison, a dingo's tail. He's called his EP Possum Tales. Hey. Get back up attaching your mouth. Hmm? Hey. 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 I caught up with Jai because he's a swilly and hell cunt. Jai from Mug. How you going? Not too bad, man. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, Jai. I'm good. Well done on the single, mate. Good to see if, uh, you stayed busy during the lockdowns. Just wondering, um, in the notes here about the song, it says that it was uh, based on a rejected menage a trois. What's the uh, go there? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. My well, missile and I were helping out a friend. She was in town and... We'll uh, show her a good time, you know, some wine by the fire and cheese and that. I can see how she's made that mistake, but she thought we were kind of offering up a, a bit of a scenario. And um, we had to kindly decline and work our way out of that. Can we just say it was your decision or your wife's decision or a mutual decision to knock that back? Oh, <laughs> well, I actually... Um, noticed quite quickly that the, the fire needed some kindling, so I just quickly ducked out and got some kindling while she, while the girlfriend sorted it out. 
Okay. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well played, mate. Well played. <laughs> um, and, mate, um, just tell us a bit about Mug. How long have you guys been going and uh, where are you based out of? We started about two years ago. It's just me. Like, I just started in my bedroom. So kind of wherever I plot my laptop is where we're based at the moment. Where can people find you, your CD? CD. Fuck, how old am I? On Spotify and iTunes and that. Mug the band on Instagram. Mug underscore the underscore band. Nice one, mate. And uh, what about lastly, before we let you go, uh, a little shout out to your unk, who's a mad core lord shaper up north. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Up DMC, surfboard. I mean, you, you probably, he's pretty core lord, so if you find him in the lineup, you might always be on the outside of him, but. He'll, he'll rap one right in front of you. Boy, as well, and make up a sick, a sick board. What do you think, Absolutely, Smitty? yeah. From the uh, surfing stronghold of the uh, Banana Coast there, Coffs Harbour. Uh, he actually wrote the track uh, in his uncle's board shack, which is DMC Surfboards. A cool Lord shaper down there from the Coffs Coast. And, uh, yeah, this was deep in the La Nina swell run of last year on the Coffs Coast. And, uh, yeah, just a fucking absolute ripper. And we love supporting local art and local music, especially when it's made by a swelling core lord who rinses his corn all the way to a platinum record. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say... And I ask people gonna find me. Do I want to be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis tour? You know, I think they got their his testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit. You know? I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the core back, drop down, say bah. Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did travel some humongous waves. Oh, just the table thing. Oh, that looks good, Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back. <laughs> Get a haircut. Yes, shredheads, waxheads, kooks and barnies. Welcome to Ain't That Swell, the radio show and TV show dedicated to cutting fucking sick. I'm your host, the two-time Gold Cone Piece Award-winning surf journalist, Scum Valley's finest himself, the punch-drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the maestro of micro-dosing. And I'm joined here for our very first episode of Call Lords with the irrepressible, iridescent, icon of 80s and 90s surfing. He's a 1988 pipe master and he's the owner and proud proprietor of this here cream surf shop on Dungutty land, aka the Royal Indigenous Surfing Headquarters. Robbie Page, welcome to the program for what is your second outing, I believe, on the program. It's my second outing, but it's my first with you. Now, that is an introduction I've never heard. And to start it off, ladies and gentlemen, he spoke about acid and microdosing. Or where the fuck is the microdosing to start this deal? Because we should have already dropped one. Mate. Eddie might not drop the acid, but right now I would have done a hit of acid and hung in the shop all day long. Oh, dude, Um, I wish we had uh, touched base on that a bit earlier. I got an esky full of... uh, Still a powder at home, but anyway, he'll be down with me. But I'm here also with his old mate, 
the uh, Blam- Edward. Blamble. 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 I always get them confused. Blamble's yeah, on the yeah, goalie. Yeah. Ockie's got Blamble. <laughs> yeah, right. That's where He's... it is. Ock's got, had Blamble and we got Blamby. So Blamby's the housing commissioner of Wollongong. Northern suburbs of Wollongong, and Eddie and I actually grew up in Balambi, hey Ed? Yeah, growing up together, surfing Coromel. We were, up, we, we were on, you know, the, two, the team, that we were the team competed against each other. Our whole surfing started there. What, do you, what memories do you have? Uh, memories of surfing with you and going diving with you, seeing shark underneath the water, and we jumped out, asked me what I was doing, and I said, There's a shark there, Rob. And couldn't get out of the water quick enough. <laughs> what about what about? And it was the, only a while gone. What about <laughs> what did surfing mean to you and us? Do you reckon surfing kept me out of trouble? And yeah, it was just it was it was pure. It was just madness. The things that we went through, me and Robin. Yeah, we went on a lot of trips, surf adventures, up and down the coastline. And yeah, pipeline was my first. Place where I went down the pipe with him, and yeah, my first barrel down there with Mark uh, Terry Richardson. They was all down there, bags. And all the, what about all the black fellas from the wreck? Yeah, Tony all the wreck boys. Yeah, Nicky. all the boys there. Yeah, they were Steve, Ray, Steve, and some of the um, McLeod boys. Yeah. Yeah, it was mad. It was good. And cherished their and, memories. You know, we com- we memories. competed too. From the board riders also into South Coast titles. And back then, the South Coast titles went from Stanwell Park to the Victorian border. Wow. So if you were a South Coast champion, that's where you reigned. That's and, massive. And Big part of uh, the coastline there and some a, iconic waves and iconic surfers from the zone. <laughs> He's laughing when you come in with that energy. How good oh, is it? Eddie's the black fella in the hood and he's, he's brother boy over here on the acid moving 600 miles. I just wish Rex was here. <laughs> I wish Rex was here with us at the moment. Where's Rex? We might have to take a break somewhere when we get on the phone to get Rex in, right? Halfway. <laughs> Rex is the uh, local call lord Sid Freak. Yeah, yeah, Rex is our brother. Your Rexy. Yeah, Rexy. Keeping the boys uh, topped up with the spirit molecule. Well played. He's solid. Rex is the yeah, local. Yeah, he keeps us going. Don't have to get in the water. <laughs> but but uh, what's it like, Rob, uh, Ed, like, you know, having that bond, man? You've, you've been through so much together from the commissions to now. Like, how strong is that connection? And you know, it's, it's rare, you know, in life to have old school mates who, if you, when you, you're still tight, there's kind of nothing better. Yeah, well, like I said, it was just mind-blowing growing up together with one another and the way we come against one another was we fought one another in the streets. How many t- punch-ups did we have, really? <laughs> we had that many punch-ups. How that's many that's what brought us close, I think. We had about... <laughs> Dead said, ten yeah. punch-ups, everyone got punched in the nose and mouth and your teeth yeah. got a bit loose or your lip got punched out. <laughs> That's what went down. But and then we after were, that we started going surfing and, yeah, just hung out and We got, our, up and down we the got our first new boards together from Burn. Eddie, Eddie got a chance to buy his in about three months. It took me 12 months to pay mine off. You remember that? Yeah, it took me a little while as well, but... And then we got, got our them. first motorbikes together. First motorbikes, yeah, we got them riding around. We went to our first South Coast titles. We went to the state schoolboys titles and Eddie tackled Damien Hardman when he was about 14 for dropping in on him. You're joking, yeah. your legs, Hardman. And um, <laughs> he wow. tackled him. And I think Nicky Damien Woods, said to me... Nicky Woods and... Um, Luke Egan, Luke Egan of the other bloke. And, Luke was yeah. there, Nicky was there, Eddie oh, was, was there. good. And Damien said to me... <laughs> What's going on with your brother over there? <laughs> he, he tackled me. I'd priority and I'll come in and he just fucking legs me on the beach. He just got him. Uh, and tell us about that trip to, uh, you mentioned it off air, but just, yeah, up to Burley, you boys on the train. What was it 
Wollongong to Mullumbimby. And oh, I'll let uh, Rob tell you a little bit yeah, about yeah, that. You tell us where did yeah. we start? How did it go? How did we start? We started from Wollongong and Rob got a board from uh, Burn Surfboard Shop, nice board, wetsuits. We both went up the coast and... How much money do you reckon we had in our pocket? The board that he had... How much money would we have had then? Oh, we didn't have much. We only had about 70 bucks each, something like that. Maybe $100 each. We didn't have 100 between <laughs> us. The train was only about four bucks. But, yeah, we turned around and stayed at Burley at Caravan Park, was it, Rob? We did. We put a tent yeah, at Burley. Yeah, we tent up and run into some very nice people there that took a surf and up and down the coastline there that we didn't know. But it was That's really That's why humble. I got Eddie yeah. Dury called the story because I think I might have smoked too many buds to remember that far back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was really good times up there, me and Rob, and coming back on the train trips and... And I think what's the really good part of it is I never seen Ed for like 25 years. I went to Europe and had a whole life. Well, I should have been with him when he first started off going over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, What was the story there? You you mentioned... um, Well, I felt being Indigenous in them days... Couldn't get a passport? I couldn't couldn't even leave the country, mate. Couldn't leave... If you had a black... If you have a black dad, you got no passport. I had a white dad and an Aboriginal Fire. mum. I have a past. I could have it. I was so I was born a citizen. As to being indigenous, the real word indigenous, not the real word. I think it's autochthonous. It's sovereign. Autochthonous, I think, means born of indigenous. Somebody else created that actually name, or you know what I mean. But um, we're all indigenous. But the moral of the story is, yeah, Ed never got a passport back then. I had a passport and. Um, Everybody in Eddie, every single person in your family, all your siblings, played for the state in something, yeah? Yeah, Everyone. State, state in soccer, football, rugby league. And, uh, yeah, well, we were it, pretty talented, our family were, when it comes to sports. Closer to the mouse. We were very talented when we come to the football and soccer. Ed, and was, our pitch, and Ed was our pitcher in the baseball, baseball still, too. Yeah, and I he used to baseball. punch me in the mouth with this base. <laughs> Didn't you pitch over 100 miles an hour? Easy, Rob. Easy, hey. Yeah. Over 100 miles an hour. He used to have, he used to have tumbler, tumbler pigeons, a whole shed of beautiful pigeons. Like, you know, when we had no food, I'd go over to his house and his mum would make up some damper and send us down to the boat <laughs> ramp to go dive and bring some shellfish back, yeah? Yeah, that's, that's and right, And his mum would build the damper over there and we'd eat it. But he'd always be surfing or he'd have his pigeons. And he had such a relationship. We used to put their head in his mouth. They'd put their heads in his mouth and they would just sit there happy. And then he'd throw them up in the air and they'd come tumbling to the ground like they're going to die and then he'd bang his hands and they'd snap out of it, right? So Ed had that real natural thing going on. His hair was all curly like Buttons or Larry Bertelman. And, you know, honestly, we were beating each other. It was, it was neck for neck. They, everyone knew it was Eddie and Robbie in the house, Owen, Spike and Robbie. Yeah, we kept ourselves going that way. And compared to, you know, the environment in the Housing Commission, you know, you've got a lot of poverty, a lot of drugs, a lot of violence, a lot of alcohol, and then you, you find surfing, like, how different and cosmic and just broadening. Oh, just took us away from all that, didn't it, Rob? Yeah, but I think we were humble. lucky. It, it was in the house, though, but it wasn't violent in the house, though. I think what it was, Balambi, when it was actually built, you know, I had, we had beachfront ocean view houses yeah. at Balambi given to Housing Commission for $46 a week. So anyone that actually landed in where we were, we were pretty much celebrating. And I think we got an advantage to the normal generation in Australia, which was 
multicultural but still had a lot of multi-segregation to it. And growing up in Blamby Housing Commission, Eddie used to call me the Gubberigini and Zoran Roseski was the Wagarigini, wasn't he? <laughs> what is it? Yeah? yeah. Tell me how'd it go. Yeah, Zoran. What was that? Gubberigini, yeah? Yeah, the Gubberigini. Yeah. What's that mean? Gub. A gubbar's a white man. <laughs> yeah. And because I got mixed blood, I'm the Gubberigini because Zoran's got Aboriginal blood and, and Yugoslavia, Yugoslavian. Anyway. Yugoslavian and he's a Wagarigini. So <laughs> we grew up in the housing yeah. commission and it was such a mix of, of people that we had a microcosm, you know, I'm 50 years of age now, we had a microcosm which was sort of like a, a university. And having not much, you'd have your mum say, go next door and ask, can you have some eggs or some bread till next week or potatoes? Yeah. And that's what we all did. Looked out for one another. It was a real share. It was cool. like a, um, you know, it was nearly like a, a, a markets between it. You knew you could ask each other. And still here in the hood in, in Kempsey, the mob depend... You know, our Indigenous mob here don't have a lot of funds. They depend on different family being able to support them through the hard days yeah, and the weeks. Yeah, no, that's right, Rob. And we grew, we, grew up, we grew up in that. When I had no food, I would go to Eddie's Black House, Black of the Mine. i go and get food out of there. That house, hey, I'm going to get some whatever was in there, yeah? <laughs> yeah. And his mum... He wouldn't me. leave. He wouldn't leave home half of the no, time. No, <laughs> I was there the whole time. And his mum, you know, was like a second mum. For me there, eh? Yeah, just like your mother was a second mum for me when yeah. I had places to go and sleep at Rob's house and, yeah, it was vice versa. We went away to the state titles with Barry Stace and Baz Stace is a great one to bring in. Um, Baz Stace coached Terry Richardson, Critterburn, Where did we go Jake to Redheads, Spooner. didn't we, Rob? Redheads? Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say who he's, who he's coached, right? Richo Critter, Jake Spooner, myself, um... Everybody from Sandon who made it, all the girls who made it, Kate Scarrett and all the other girls at Sandon who were the best, he's won like a hundred. It'd be great to do a podcast on Baz Stace. He's the, he's the most credentialed surfing coach in Australia that hasn't been put up. Baz wouldn't take a dollar off any of us. He grew up in, ta- in Taree under, under his dad who was in the army and when he found the South Coast as a kid, Winuna in the 70s, he stayed there. So Baz was one of the first guys that – he took Eddie and I to the state yeah. – the state um, schoolboys up in Newcastle, Newcastle. And I hear something, so <laughs> Eddie says to me one day, this is unreal. This, do you remember this? You'll love this story. Eddie goes, uh, Dad, hey, Dad, Cole Smith lives around here. And I said, yeah. He's like, brah, he's got the soul. I'm like, righto. And then the next day Eddie comes back from the beach. He's like, Dad, hey. Cole Smith's having a party. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we don't know where it is. He said, Dad, it's in Redhead. We're in Redhead. And I said, well, there's a lot of houses. So he goes, Dad, buck that. We're going for it. So we go looking for Cole Smith's house. How many hours did we walk? Yeah, we walked for a couple of hours. Right. <laughs> and we found Cole Smith's house, didn't we, Ed? Yeah, we found it. We found it. We found Cole. We walked in and we shook Cole Smith's hands, didn't we? Yeah. And when I got back down the wall and I told Richard, I said, Richard, he's number seven in the world. He's, a num- he's, a, he's the highest goofy foot on the planet. Mm. There's MR, Bugs, Rabbit, Simon, Sean, the, those guys and Richard, right? And uh, I told Richard, we went up for the state titles and... Um, he goes, where'd you, where'd you compete? I said, Redhead. And he looked at me. He goes, did you see Smitty? <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, bag, we did. Eddie made me walk for two and a half hours ago and we found his house and we said, look, we shook his hand. He said, lucky kid, I would have smacked you in the mouth. 
that was Richard. So Eddie gave Eddie. I love Eddie because we got the shape. Shake Cole Smith's hands. Yeah, no, it was good, right? And what was unreal as kids, we'd talk about our favourite surfer and every one of Eddie's favourite surfers always had to be Buttons or Dane. Or, Thank you, Lower. Buttons, Dane or Larry Bird, weren't Bird, they? Yeah, they were my idols. Is that because they were black and yeah, ripping? Was, yep, black right. and ripping. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the – I mean, what was it like seeing that era of black surfers popping off, you know? There wasn't, was there wasn't too many of us. No. Nah. Well, I used to get in the water when Rob had a camera there one time. Waterproof one, first time I've seen one, and we started filming one another in the water, and then didn't really hit me after a while. And Rob told me that we were the first Indigenous photographers. I thought, wow. yeah, forty years ago, <laughs> we got we got this monolithic the, camera. The photos, what we were showing you earlier, yeah, yeah, forty years ago. That's that's yeah. The this story. is one of the photos here. So let's talk about first. Before we talk about photography, yeah, yeah show the camera that. <laughs> what are you showing the camera, Ed? Photo of myself riding my brother's surfboard that Robbie made. Forty years ago, I shaped yeah, that board. Forty years, and yeah, it was a nice board to ride. And I wish he would have stayed in there shaping and making surfboards. Well, I'm still making them, and now, I'm, <laughs> now the computers. I just give me information to the computers, and I also work work with Eddie. Eddie still right, working with Eddie Sinnott again, and we're working on my brand, which is Robbie Page boards and cream boards, and Eddie's brands ESP and. And um, we all work out of that same factory. Bo Young comes in there and builds some insane boards. And so we're working on my boards to, for the shop and for international. You know, you know how it is, Vorny. How much how much designs do we have? Oh, like yeah. as if you can't go to the machine yourself and put all your designs in there and be as good as anyone in the world. Here's a question. You'll love this. Who do you reckon the best shape on the planet is on the whole planet Earth? One, one quick one. Oh, I'd have Just to say my uncle Simon Jones up there in the hinterland at uh, Cooper Shoot. Oh, you're work, fucking beautiful. The work him and Tyron are doing. Go, Simon. <laughs> Simon, you are on fire. We love and you, bro. And him in his tin shed like the ye olden times. Can I well, tell you? Will Weber at the moment. Oh, Will Weber. Will <laughs> Scum Valley's finest himself. Will, you are loved. You and your young fella. What's his name at Qualified? Yeah, oh, Morgan. Uh, no one actually knows Morgan. what his last name Morgan. is. Morgan. Morgan. You seem like you are... The country soul of Angari, blessed by God's blessing, someone you're being blessed. You're definitely carrying the humble fucking light because the way you surf, bro, there's no added baggage to that stuff. Is that right? <laughs> and, um, you know. And another bloke I'd like to. Whatever baggage he's holding, he's fucking teared that bad. <laughs> another bloke I'd really like to thank is Steve Wilder. He was the bloke that used to take me and Robbie on trips up and down the coast. Brother Steve's up here in Kempsey yeah, on my street. He lives street. up here in Kempsey as well. And he's our brother. It's like they come up and they found me or they're looking for me. And they found me. Eddie, okay, here's a story because we hear jump stories but we get to I went on tour for years, came back, a broken man, lost the bar, lost a few, couple of million assets, lost my wife, lost my kids, lost my life, was a big fatty. You know, there was a lot of coke going through that bar. That would sink any motherfucker, wouldn't it, really? <laughs> Merry Christmas. I wasn't a coke guy, but it did tackle me. It tackled everybody. We spoke about that. And now for a poem. Coke's a joke. Coke's a joke. Rack's a cack. Bit of blow. Fuck no. This country was built on tinnies and cones. Not gacked up fuckwits staring into iPhones. Drug of the bourgeois, brah. Selling mates out. For a fancy car, working class sellouts, banker swines, look out mate, these cokeheads, they'll steal from your chine. Coke's a joke, 
Rack's a cack. Bit of blow? Fuck no. Snuff head? Nuff said. Cunt'd wanna watch out or he might end up fucking dead. Bugle fiend blows his own trumpet, surrounded by hot chicks, even though he looks like a fucking crumpet. Cold hard reality staring him in the face. Check out all these bitches, but don't you reckon it's ace? Uh oh, no more blow. What? Where'd all me chicks go? Ah! Ah! What's this feeling? No! 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 And no offence to the crumpets, uh, if you're crookheads your lot in life, just be glad you didn't end up in more strife. Coke's a joke, rack's a cack, bit of blow, fuck no. Rather get googie and fried, high as a kite, soar in the clouds and watch the world turning, just a harmless cunt gurning. Loved up, making friends, taking the piss, forgiving those who trespass against us. Seeing Buddha nature everywhere, here, there, in chair, in Blair's hair, even that chair. Cheap thrills, not spilling bills, not snorting cunts into poverty, because I'm addicted to cocaine and luxury, as if that's gonna cure my misery. Coke's a joke, rack's a cack, bit of blow, fuck no. So getting back, I called brother Steve Walder and he moved up here to get away from all the South Coast and his beautiful family, my brother, with his daughters and his wife. And uh, I came up to see him and slept in his garden. It was a spiritual thing, man. And he woke up in the morning and he said to me, uh, there's a house for sale down the road. And I said, I'm going to get that. Within two weeks of having the house, I hear this noise out the front. And there's ten blackfellas in the front of me house in the middle of the bush. And I'm thinking, what the fuck's going on? What's, what are these boys? They're 800 metres down to my house. And they go, hey, you got any petrol? And I first thing I'm going, fuck, I'm looking for axes. I'll go, it's on here. What's going on? The next minute, Eddie jumps out and he goes, I found you, brah. Right? And it'd been 25 years. Right? So I walked straight in the house and I had a half a bag of weed. And I dropped the pole for the other brother and said, there, you guys can smoke that. Me and Ed are going to go and have a Scooby out the back. has got a lot to talk about. Mm. And Ed was drinking back that time and was doing a bit tough. So we, that I was, spoke, yeah. we spoke about stuff. And I said, you go marry your fucking wife now, brother. Yeah? Yeah, and I've and done it. Yeah. Wow. And I went with the cameras and my brother, another brother, and we filmed and done the whole wedding. It was, it was a powerful blackfellas meeting at that wedding, wasn't it? It was a it very was a warrior's wedding with your lady, yeah. So Eddie married his wife, beautiful, and had a fantastic time. And then we got him in the North Coast when they had North Coast titles. It was about 12 years, 15 Haven't years. Haven't been now. in the water for 20 years. Hadn't been there for 20 years. He got in the water on one of my boards. He was winning the heat in a semi-final against me that I was sort of like thinking, fucking, I'm going to like... Tell this black fella, get off me board, like, fuck you. You haven't even been in the water. Anyway, he ran out of steam. I won the North Coast and Ed got... Just. Just, just got him. And it'd been 25 years. Can you imagine? I've been a pro surfer come back and it's like a Rocky movie. It's, no, it's like a more like um, flash dance. I've gone back in the hood and Ed goes, you ain't from here anymore. <laughs> you know? So we surfed uh, that. That was good. And then he sort of disappeared. So the, our number one sparring partner at the moment is Rexy Frail. My yeah. original brother, yeah, Rexy no, Fowler. brother, if I ever seen one. He's good, eh? Yeah. Now, uh, 
Ed, Robbie, you've both had, you know, you've both Midwife had... Midwife crisis. Yeah, you've had to conquer demons. You've had to, uh, you know, really build up some resilience. But, yeah, talk to us about your journey. Um, I'll start with you, Ed. Talk to us about your journey, you know, uh, you know, battling the grog and then, I guess, you know, marrying your missus and... Getting back into getting surfing back to save into your life. Getting back into the swing life. of things, man, yeah. Yeah, well, grog was one part where and I lost my father in Balambi then and, and uh, after that, yeah, I hit the grog a bit and... Just lost the interest in the surfing and but there was a few other dark issues there as well and Rob mainly picked me up and got me into the water and back in every now and then when I used to come back down from Armadale, therefore I've got another family to another lady up that way. And uh, How many kids you got, Ed? I've got four to the missus up there, ex-missus up there in Armadale and I've got five to wife now. So you've got nine children? Nine children all and up. what about granddad? And 21 grandchildren. Good 21 wow. grandchildren. And he's hey. come... And he's coming yeah. to kick our ass in the water. Yeah, no. <laughs> Do you love it? With his whole mob, mate. Fire yeah. out. 21. What is, no, what is that? It's th- that's all up 30 He used to come around my house and go, Nah, you're scared of me. And I go, fuck, I'm scared of your whole army as well. Fucking <laughs> 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 You wouldn't want an army. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> he, he got streets named after him out at Southwest Rocks, Ed. Wow. Yeah, yeah after the aunties and that, Mater Moore and, and Uncle Buchanan's. What's Dungutty mean to you? It's helped you, it's healed Dungutty you? Dungutty is where my grandfather comes from, burnt bridge out the road here. And, yeah, I didn't know that he... When I first came to this place, it was real spiritual. It was like it just latched onto me and I just didn't want to leave from here. It didn't let you go. It didn't let me go. and <laughs> That's right. It didn't right. let it me didn't. go either. It did that. And it didn't let you here, go. Yeah, it was surfing for a while and still on the alcohol at that time. And But now Rob's come back this way and, yeah, I was veered off away from all that and... Back on the water program. Back in the water program, yeah. Mental. Um, I mean, just to give a bit of context for our international listeners, I mean, maybe you can give us the the brief rundown on, on you know, why... It's like a Why is there so much trauma in the Indigenous community? Oh, well, because, you know, we, we know bits and bobs about the amount of displacement. Well, this is how... It's only a, a I'll give you a little... It, you know? I'll give you a quick little breakdown. Genocide, slaughter, poisoning, yeah, fucking all that's works, there, yeah. The whole works. But well, I think there's the, that's what's been done and that's not on the hands of anybody on Australia today. What's on the hands of Australians today is ignorance and denial. And this is the example I use. I use it often. The atrocities that happened in Germany were big time. Why do we love the Germans and, and respect them still? Yeah, I'll tell you honest, why. They faced up to the fucking the bullshit they created. They hung out their dirty washing through films mm. and movies and showed, showed the whole world the true fucking reality. And this is a kindergarten. This is still playing Dubbo. And until we show the true history in this country... There's no way we can move forward the way we have to. Because there's no empathy, is there? There's no uh, – like so many white Australians don't know the history, therefore they, they don't view Aboriginal trauma and, and problems Look, with alcohol and, and violence and that in the appropriate context. They don't understand that if you're riddled with PTSD and you fucking – your granddad, you know, when you, when you have people a, slaughtered or yeah, had family yeah, right. murdered by our settlers and it's so recent and fresh – 1967, you could was the referendum for Indigenous people to become citizens. Well, I couldn't even vote. I wasn't even a citizen in my own country in '66. Yeah, he was, was born, born non-citizen. You were born fauna and flora. Yeah, because you got a black dad, and I got the whitest dad. I got my dad's that white. He's pink. 
not recognised as human being until 1967. 1967 yeah. is fucking not long rights. ago. Yeah, they'll vote right. Long ago. And Kemp, so here's um, the biggest thing. In Kemp's here... 200 years is not long ago either. <laughs> that, no, that's right, man. It's <laughs> only Captain a handful Cooklin, of generations. Yeah, yeah. It's like two, three, four yeah. generations, you know. And if you ask the country what the biggest resistance was in 67, 70% in Kempsey said no for Indigenous people to be citizens. So the, the strength, the testimony to the unity and strength of, of the, the Dungati people here is exceptional. And when I rocked up here 16 years ago, that's, you know, my calling, I was sung up here, my belief, and uh, I met Nana Button, remember that day sitting down there in the car with you? Yeah. And Nana Button says, turns around and says, Eddie, hey, who's this fella here? And you introduced me. And she says, he has a blessing bestowed upon him, remember? And I told her I went with the Dalamas mob up into India and we had a little conversation about that. We talked about another day, but... I, I was bewildered. I'd lost my whole family, a couple of million of assets, and that coke ride took everybody down on top of... I already had issues, and that was just the, the signing of the coffin's nails. But I said in that conversation, sitting in the car with Eddie, I said, look, I don't know why I'm here. I'm just here. And then a button says, I know why you're here. This is where it will take shape. This is where the spiritual part of the East Coast of Australia will set the rest of the place up. And it fucking is. And anyone listening here... This is blackfella country with a heart for every human, with a heart to share culture, language, every part of it. The people here are beautiful for that. That's why we've got a surf shop here in the hood in South Kempsey. Crescent Head's fantastic and we love Crescent Head and that's our water place we play most of our time. Dungunny's also got its powerful heartbeat. Yeah, That's right, Rob. Paging, well spoken, you know, bro. Let's talk about your story, man. So, uh, you know, obviously... <coughs> Mine was a spiritual meltdown. When I came home and I spoke to my Aboriginal mum and I said, Mum, you know, why the jail and why this and why this to France and why that? And then she says the same thing. You become a big head. You lose appreciation. You lost appreciation for everything. You forgot where you come from. You thought you were something else. And, you get, and when you carry on like that, you'll get brought to your knees. So there you go, ego involved. We all have ego. We all believe the hype. Ego's, you know, the furthest description from the truth of who we are. So mm. that was my calling. I lost mm. everything, brought back to my knees. I've got my children back. I'm a better person today. I'm a more useful human. I'm in the community in a better way as we're all molecules to the one body. So I take, I take every smack to the head as something positive to direct me to where I'm really mm. going. Mm. So sitting here with you, brother, having this interview, I feel fantastic for you coming here. I feel fantastic for Vaughn, Mr. Vaughn, coming over. Ed, our great Paul O'Donnell's in the room watching this interview. He's our great surfer I went to the Australian Championships with and he would have won more of them if he didn't have his injury. Paul O'Donnell, we love you. And, uh, yeah, well, this is the deal. Crescent Head, 11,680 beaches, you know, Brad Farmer and those guys said that they've done 11,680 beaches. It's registered and the number one was Crescent Head. What's it about? It's about the heartbeat. Come to Crescent. No ego, no bullshit. Pay respects to the Dungati vibration. When you cross into the Dungati countries, pay vibrational to that. Love it. And that's what we're here about. This is Dungati that's been so good to me. Dungati washed the coke and the shit that I had on the top of my face off and any... Whatever I was carrying. Oh, I've never been a coke guy. I was just saying there was a small period. My whole thing was, I think, the tour, the ego, and we all became decadent. But we were also the 80s kids that got used and abused. So, Johnny Shamuka, we're going to talk about you soon. We love you. Bless you. Bless you.
There you go. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Boom. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. This house ain't no home. Yeah. Get it, India. Or go to India. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Eww. to the team. I thought I had it over just me and the spunk next to me, but <laughs> hey. we brought in the long man of loving. Hey, good to be here, boys. What an f- epic chat with Ed Dog. What a lord. We used what to go, a dead we used to go lord. To I can't believe the history with you guys. We'd Psycho. go to Pike, mate. We'd walk down the track. Yeah. And it was just me and Ed as kids and as classic. <sighs> How many crew out there those days? Many? You'd still get 20, 30 guys out Aussie Pipe because it was all yeah. surfers. It was a hardcore surfing pack. When it was on, you'd get the Cronulla crew come down in 10 or 15 of the hard – Greeny, Doggy and Oki and another – Mackie and another eight guys all in one pack. Mm. All there doing the Cronulla dance. And then you've got the Tom Carrolls and, yeah. and Barton Lynch and Gary Greens and – Surfing World doing a few runs down there and stuff. Everybody's just doing it. <clears throat> How was Richo in the lineup when it, when it was like a, a pumping day and, and it was, you know – well, he's the, the the, all, the, all the upstarts were there. Was he he's was he prowling one. around and giving a few Spanish bows like he, he told us about in earlier? Ep? He's a staunchy old fuck. Richo used to smoke <laughs> cigarettes back in the early day all day long and go surf pipe eating yeah. chocolate and smoking a cigarette. So <laughs> Richo took me to Burley Heads and I locked him out of the caravan while he was getting ready for a heat and I mm. joked and locked him out. When he opened, when I opened the door, he punched me in the leg and I fell on the ground and cried. I was 15. <laughs> <laughs> I love so him. He's a tough old he's fuck. He's so good. But oh, yeah, there's, your, there's your credit card too before I forget. Oh, thanks, mate. There you go. See, I knew I had to pay, I knew I had to pay even to fucking get on here. <laughs> I had to pay for this shit. Hey, um, Pagey, look. Uh, Let's say, wait, Richo. Richo at Pipe was, yeah. the, was, the, was the god. The black fellas, all our local boys, Ray and Nick and mm. Steve and all the whole mob there. Toddy Roberts was the youngest. Toddy Roberts is who was our sparring partner. But uh, Richo was number seven in the world, the number one goofy footer. So when he came back, he was actually setting the pace, not just in surfing, he was building the best surfboards too, mm. remember? Yeah. He came from the last top ten guys. Besides Dave McCauley and Richie Collins, the last two guys at the top front shaping boards. That's going to be a good story That's for huge, you. That's huge, isn't it? Yeah, we had, we had him on a, a live app at Wollongong and how good was he, Smithy? He was oh, just man. fucking iconic. Like, just... So Aussie, man. Yeah, so oh. Aussie, but just so understated, wasn't blue, he? He's a blue collar. The shit that he's done and the stories that he tell, and he barely even get a rise out of himself telling them. It was just classic. He's got wasn't a it? book out, but uh, yeah, 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 uh, it's great. Um, I got a signed copy at home. If you want to have a read, yeah, I was for Do you reckon I got to sign one off him? I think I got <laughs> one. Right? Yeah, I good hope right. so. <laughs> Look at your collection, mate. This shop is fucked up. He did, uh, this place is like, where's all this stuff come from? Is this your collecting? Like all these boards, boards you've picked up over the years? I've bought a lot of them yeah. and I've collected a lot of them over the years. Mm. And um, like above your head, they won the rookie, the triple crown on that board at sunset. Mostly, yeah, wow. mostly then. Phil Byrne made me that board. Phil, that was fantastic of you. Fucking a whole career on tour with your boards was mind-blowing. Fantastic. Um, I've got my phaser bottom, Michael Willis, second Wymere board I ever had. And I wouldn't surf anything at Wymere unless it had phasers on them. No bullshit. How come? What's the, what's the, what's the okay. design principle behind the phaser? The design phaser? principle is you get a spoon. Mike, I said to Mike, come, brah. <laughs> you know, imagine me. Hey, Mike, what the fuck's with these bumps under your board? They don't work, do they? Because Liam McNamara swore by them as well, right? It looks like a golf ball yeah. uh, for those who well, we'll, we'll can't see it. We'll get a photo of it and we'll chuck it on screen. So, right so I'll tell you about Willis Brothers goes, it's just a quick one. Yeah. 
Eddie Sinnott at Byron Bay, who builds my boards with me and builds ESP boards, we've just got the licence for Willis Brothers Australia, mm. right? And that's Mike's designs mixed in with Eddie's and all of the stuff. We've, we've been family for years. Mike made me all my own wire boards. Mike Willis, you know yourself, every shape is not just a shape. I want to pay respects to every shaper out there. You guys aren't shapers. You're spirit men. You're fucking priests. You're everything. People come in, they get a board. They didn't come to buy a board. They come to tell you their life story and their pain. Mm. You make them a spiritual chariot and send them back out the water. They I fucking feel, love that, They mate. feel much better. <laughs> that is fucking so iconic. I want to thank you all. Yeah? It's true, though. Yeah. Um, Fuck the joy it brings poetry. to your life. The fucking... The, you know, it's it's beyond just it's like beyond, an object, and, isn't and it? And these fucking shapers are our doctors. We love you. Is that right, man? Mm. We <laughs> fucking love you guys. We don't love the Chinese machine. We don't like your Chinese pop-out fucking shit and you cunts in a surf shop that don't belong there. Suck balls. And that's real. This is 220. Yeah. Fuck off. And all you surfers that think you're a surfer, you're going to go buy the pop-out and you're going to go and buy into those shops and those side. Well, fuck you too. Mm. Really? That's where it's up to. We talk about reset. We've got our own fucking reset. It's called soul. Give love, share ways, get your heart back on and fucking come on. Mm. Let's get yeah, it back. Yeah. What it well is. said. Yeah, that's, that's fucking so, page for PM. This is exactly why, you know, you've, you'll have been one of our all-time most popular guests. I just because feel, fucking hearing a bit of truth speak, hearing a bit of like egoless just fucking mm. soul spilling is exactly what people want to hear out there at the moment. Well, Michael Willis, he, so when we spoke about those shapers, like, you know, growing up as a kid I had Terry Richardson shape mm. my boards and Terry didn't put it on the book, you fucking wanker. I beat you on your own board. <laughs> and I got fucking photos bagged of the first twin fins you made me at 14. So I don't know where you slipped the fucking cog there. Archie, that was fucking second phase, right? And I love you, Matty. But the deal is... <laughs> Eddie Sinnott was there in yeah. Wollongong 2 at Skippy's and when Rich I was on tour, Ed started to build my boards. Mm. So he went on to build all Jake's and Michael Lowe's and he did Hans Hedeman's right. models. He did all Rich O's models for him, Ed. He did Chaddy Ed, sir, on the – no, not Ed, sir, uh, uh, Ryan, Chad, Chad Ryan. Chad Ryan, yeah, yeah the, whole, the whole thing. And he did all Michael Peterson's boards with Mike and Rich O and that. They went That's down right. the coast. So when it came to Willis, Hawaii was a spiritual – place for me which I actually called the quickening I think we get the quickening there the speed of the water comes in makes our minds move twice as the speed so we can actually ride anything after Hawaii Mm. because of its speed right no continental shelf so I said we got our quickening from Hawaii we got our respect from the Hawaiians thank you the Hawaiians we're getting to you in a minute we love you all and the Willis brothers uh, in Hawaii were phenomenal for being spiritual people and being very smart and Fearless at riding massive waves and building craft for everybody that wanted it. Like some guy would rock over from France, from the Mediterranean, a, a French guy, and he's a he drives he drives cars for the rich people, and he mm. had dreams of riding Waimea. So Michael Willis will build him more boards yeah. for Waimea, and then he'll be out there twenty foot, twenty five foot Waimea. So everybody's got a big wave guy in them. Yeah, but they need brothers, and they need good equipment. They need to be loved. So they can paddle oh. out in that big surf, being loved. We were just talking about the opposite of that going down at Nazareth just this morning, were we? It's mm. like it's the opposite. It's no. turning into a full-blown, oh. you know, greed fest, like a, a grab the best, uh, most intense let, moment, let, drive let, your let, ski over someone else's legs to get it. Like it's just fucking mayhem over there. So let, I'm going to go back to the boards, right? Yeah, like tell so us that, about it. So, yeah. that, so Willis was a spirit man. Like this is how real it was. There was – Close out days I'd surf the bay. You can ask Shane, we'd surf the bay closing out and Kenny Bradshaw would give us the time, what time we've got to get out of the water because the closeout sets would come. Gotcha, so yeah. 
Willis and those guys are waking me up at four in the morning. Hey, Rob, did you hear the civil defence? 25 feet at 24 seconds. I'm like, fuck, I know. Anyway, Willis got me on these phaser bottoms and when I put shit on him and said they don't work, how do they work, Willis? Because he's such a melly. He goes, yeah. hey, Rob, they work fine, man. <laughs> so I said, well, fucking how do they work? So he got a, a tablespoon, he filled up with water, he showed me that the water sat like a millimetre higher than the lip. Mm. And I went, wow. So they're, they're full of water of the wave. They are of the wave and the wave's still the wave. Does mm. that make sense? So they act like a power bearing. Like the more pressure, the faster they're pushing, but at the same time a suction cup. So I wouldn't ride nothing at Waimea. I read one board at Waimea the first time ever. I rode Richie Collins 8.6. We surfed So it's Waimea pulling together. you onto the surface of the water harder and giving when you I, more pressure. When I drop dead vert, I'm yeah. stuck like a suction cap. While being pushed and all the bump that comes Power bearing. Fuck, Fuck, that's yeah. sick, isn't it? And all the, all the bump that comes under the front when it hits those phases, it's all dispersed or calmed down before it hits me fingers. Mm. So that's fucking unreal, man. Joel Fitzgerald one year over there, he was charging yeah. wine in. Joel powered up to me and said, Robbie, how are you making them out here? How are you fucking making them? And I didn't say, well, I nosedive for 15 years before you got here. But <laughs> <laughs> I said to him, fucking, oh, you know, I've got buck next bill from it. The phase of bottoms was it and the shapers and that whole deal. So Willis, we've got Willis Brothers surfboards mm-hmm. and Byron and all those templates. So that's fucking awesome. unreal, mate. Jeez, that's a good yarn. It's come yeah. through the family, you know. Yeah, it that's has. That's where it's getting yeah. now. That's the deal. All right, well, Smivy. Uh, we've got to get onto this topic. It's been a huge couple of months in surfing. Yeah. Um, awful news. We, yeah. We've lost, you know, one of the great shining lights, one of the f- most magical human beings, you know, we've ever known in our community in terms of, you know, just a, a guy who reached the top level and, and had all that sort of pro surfing stardom as a, as a pretty wild man. But, but deeper than that, um, you know, John Shimuka was just a fucking lovely, giving soul who wanted to share happiness and love with everyone, man. Like I, I had uh, the good fortune of being mates with him for a really long time. Um, always admired him as a grommet, you know, like when I saw him in videos, I loved his, his whole rock star swagger. But um, really got to know him better when I sort of started working on surf mags and, and he was, I think by that stage, already at Quicksilver and he was either a team manager or working in marketing. But just... One of those guys, man, who'd walk into a room and make everyone feel good. Everyone felt better when he was around. Uh, a really funny, naturally talented showman. Uh, and just, oh, it's just fucking beggar's belief that he's, he's not here. Like, it, it just, it doesn't seem possible that someone like him could be going through so much pain. Um, you spoke before about sort of, you know, your, the, the children of your era the guys who came through in pro surfing when there was just limitless sort of money, parties, drugs, uh, celebrity, I suppose, was there as well. It was like sort of all just starting to explode. Like is that sort of in some way uh, a factor in, in sort yeah, of like – you know that. We all know that. Firstly, I'm going to yeah. say I'm going to put this shirt on in Shmoo's honour. Shmoo came to Oz, fell in love with his lovely lady – had his beautiful son, fell in love with the country. I think the space, a lot of space, was very um, good for John after growing up in Hawaii on an island that took three hours to drive around. 
um, Australia gave him – we welcomed him, you know. How do we welcome him? I reckon we welcomed him like like this, that. That's who he is. He's our Hawaiian koala. <laughs> Shamu. Yeah. He's our Hawaiian koala. This is me hop on his shirt. I'm going to put it on back the front. Just for a second. Mm. Yeah. That's in Johnny's honour. Koala him up. See him? Yeah. Right. He, um, he did connect with Australia, just, I mean, not just through the love went, of his life. This but, is how it went for me. Yeah. I was on the tour in 84. John came, I think, about 86 or 87. The first time I met him personally was he was about 15 years of age. I think Shane Dorian was about 12 or 13. And it was the summer contest in Hawaii, the Gotcha Pro at Sandy Beach. And as we know, Hawaii, the four sides are really four countries. South Shore is another country. West Side's West Side's. North Shore's mm. North Shore. And the yep. East Side, go around the East Side and see some big moke boats parked in his garage and he doesn't know about you and your North Shore and your pro surfing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You just get the fucking car That's out. Bar. <laughs> so getting to Hawaii um, in those early days, I was on the tour for a year or two and then Box came and Box and I hung out heaps and it was sunny and, and schmoo. So... You know, we, we John had John and Mike. I first I send my love to all Hawaiians. I send my love to Mike, Mike Shamuka, Johnny Boy Gomes, and Michael Ho, and the whole lot of the Hawaiians. I'm going to miss every Jason, everybody. We feel we dropped your boy. That's how my heart feels. But um, yeah, it goes back a long way. It goes back to that early contest. Johnny Shamuka and Sonny were. We're surfing like an island that was just lit up of happiness. Mm. And Johnny was famous for his Ben Iper, these little stingers. He was already the best surfer probably in the world in one foot ways and then he'd put him on a stinger and it'd make his five foot four board like four foot. Mm. So everybody's riding four foot boards when they can now so that's how far ahead he was in board design mm. along with Ben Iper. So we had this great little thing. Me and Sonny punched on with boxing gloves out in the back of Johnny's house. Punched Sonny out. We loved each other. So we were brothers. So we went all the way through on tour. We travelled together. We partied together. We, we ate a lot of food. And we just – we really were into the surfing. We were the young guns, you know, Box, Sonny, Shamil and myself. So that was the first part of the tour before everybody else got into that sort of mm-hmm. deal. We were the kids, so – we were, when I was competing at Sandy Beach and stuff, John would wake up in the morning and go to school. It was such a discipline. Mm. And that was a trip because we weren't really into studying back then. He was going to school, living with his dad in a little humble place in the South Shore and Box was sleeping there. I think they were all in one room, a lot of them. But I was always so impressed with his up and at it, clean, dedicated program and got to get out of the hood and get his studies done. So for Johnny to make it out of all the way through that, have a great pro surfing career, eat, eat it on the tour, re-qualify again. I think he's only one of three people. Re-qualify again and then come to Australia and make everybody fall in love with him so he takes a job, a top job in surfing and he's living the dream. Um, I think what it was was... You grew up in Hawaii, three hours to drive around it and you've got family everywhere singing you aloha music mm. and the songs of the island. I just wish he could have got home a week ago. 
I think that's what's on all of us because if he would have got home, he just needed to get home. Mm. I know that he had a, a really strong support network down in Sydney. The he best had a, team. He had a really, team. really uh, beautiful people support. Oh man, he, 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 it's it's important to mention that he did. Yeah, he I was, called Winnie that morning. He and was I open. He was really open about uh, his mental health. He, he was, was really uh, clear to uh, his friends and family down there who. That he was going through hard times, and and they were onto it, mate. They 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 were committed to being. There. You're so true. The Australian. You're I spoke. I called Mark yeah. Wyndham of New South yeah. Serving New South Wales the next morning. The first thing yeah. I said with a tear in my eyes, thanks for being John's brother, uncle, and like a stepdad mm. in Australia to him. Yeah. 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 Oh, mate. And yeah. the whole and, team. And he had a he had a team, and um, you know, it's just. You just I need guess... to go home and climb a coconut tree. You come from a little rock. This mm. is a big rock. I, that's all I think. The boys yeah. from Hawaii might have this and that. We, we, we could have been good to get him home. Anyway, he's gone to heaven with the rest of the brothers and we bless him. We love him. Yeah. Mm. Three of the names you mentioned there, uh, Shmoo, obviously, Kerbox. Um, you know, Kerbox has been, he's, has been battling and he's come pretty good. You know, ITN's finest, uh, you know, legend. But, I, I know where you're going. And, Great and, point. And Sonny too. And yourself, Robbie. Um, you know, been you've, you've been to hell and back, man. A few times. I, my question is, what was it about that generation? You know, why was everyone so ill-equipped to survive once their tour career is wrapped up? Great, great question. Thanks for bringing it up, bro. That's where we're at. Okay, I'm going to run it a little bit long, but I'll try to get it through quick. Firstly, my girlfriend showed me once a film in America of the footballers that were drinking petrol after their career and chopping up their wives and going through many mental disorders from getting their heads bashed around. Yeah, we were discussing this. There, there is a, it's a sleeping giant in surfing, the amount of it head is. collisions, CTE, uh, this kind of but stuff. I, but this one, I'm not actually talking about that one at this point, but I'm talking on a spiritual level. I was just using that one as an example. In surfing, what you had was the 80s, us 80s mob. Gary Elkin had called me the next morning with tears in his eyes and he said, Robbie... I love you, bro. I know I don't call you. I know you've been down there and you had some hard moments. I love you, bro. I wanted to tell you. He goes, fuck, we can't lose any more of our boys. We've lost Derek. We're, Sonny's struggling. We've lost Johnny. What's going on? I called Richie Collins myself and Richie is always depressed. He said him and Todd Holland and a lot of them are depressed. Well, I'll tell you what fucking happened. You took a whole bunch of us kids. You made us prostitutes. He tapped us on the head and gave us 40, 50, 60, 100, whatever the fuck it cost to bend us over. You built these massive structures that made you fucking millions of dollars. I watched the cars you drive. I watched the houses you bought. You had an opportunity to share that fucking wealth. I'd get to Hawaii and see Al Chapman sleeping in fucking cars. You could have bought the whole fucking island and made retirement service places for everybody that built this thing. You didn't. So, again, what happened to my boys? We're the untold story after the 70s. I'll tell you how it went. He fucked us all, took it all, and then we left out on the streets after with no other function but our surfing careers and no place to make a living. And then the blasphemy that we're, we're the washed up ones. Fuck you all. We ain't the washed up shit. We're the golden children. We're the fucking heroes of this. And this system wasn't there to cater for it. And it ain't about us. Andy Irons went down. He's... That's the biggest stuff. So that equation. So sure. right now you have a whole era of guys that went through that young. When Rob Machado came on the tour, he came with his mum. They we were tripping on that, but they mm. were the, they were the first people to see that something was wrong. No one was taking care of our children. I was one of them. You know, no one took care of us. 
I walk down the street, they go, there's a guy, Robbie Page, and we're into jail for acid. I'm like, fucking acid, $25 of acid. And I'm the guy who won fucking Pipe Masters, got seconds and thirds and fifths and done all that before I was 26 years of age. Iconic, so, all, legend all. of the game, original spirit <laughs> I don't know if shaman I, I'm only one, no, no, <laughs> I'm only one of the... Nothing cu- wrong with LSD, mate, it's <laughs> yeah. not fucking wars. Hey, whoever had the best the acid right was world champ, I told you that before. But the, the story was, that was what happened. So... You know, what did Derek Ho and Michael Ho, what do they do when they finish the Pro Tour and they come back to Hawaii? Where's their job? Where's the money they get paid for being gods? One fucking, how many triple crowns, how many pipe masters, how much of this, how much of that, how much of this, whatever, whatever. Mm. What happened to us fixing up our people and entwining them? You know who got paid for our work? Kelly Slater and all the kids today. We didn't get paid. Mm. We never got paid. Mm. That's what I think. I think there's a lot of guys came off and they really didn't have much support systems. Yeah. Mm. As an, Money aside, uh, just in terms of the life skills that you're getting taught as didn't a 15, any. 16, 17-year-old kid mm. on tour surrounded by coke-sniffing fucking maniacs and uh, surf company CEOs who but are even, more than happy to ply you with the gear. But even if they weren't or, even or if that wasn't the case and you're a 15 or 17-year-old kid, you're learning – how to book your tickets. Go and spend 20 grand of your budget on tickets and you're a kid. Book your cars, book your accommodations, be there, be there on time. Learn what you weren't doing when you're at home and put it all together. Well, you're not working on your own well-being because you're doing all these other functions to make the mm. career work. Nowadays, they might have had a lot more support and money and managers to do things for them. Can you just give us a bit of insight um, into Shmoo? Your mate, like the guy, and, and and like let's like celebrate and talk about who he was as a person, because like my experience with him uh, has been over twenty years. Every single time I was in his energy, you know, I felt in ch- I felt charged that up. Little I was fucker, fucking constantly that laughing. Little fuck he was, was one of the funniest the guys of all time. Listen, yeah, to talk about like your Pound your memories pe- of him, like as as your friendship grew, as a touring buddy. You know, how did he cope with, with things like uh, – like you mentioned it before. He's one of the few guys – well, one of the first guys to re-qualify after the QS system was set up. That's why I'm And he shocked. fucking came second at Bells. You That's know, like why he, I'm he so – He was one of the guys I'm who really rebuilt in, himself. I still feel like, is it real? Because yeah. he wasn't the guy that tapped out, right? It's like he doesn't tap out. Mm. Literally, so, he's a fucking black belt in jiu-jitsu. He like. doesn't tap out in anything. So – John didn't take his life. The illness took John's life. Mm. So let's talk about the positives. Like I said, dynamic, pound for pound, one of the greatest I ever met. Funny as shit. I was part of that Tokyo, Sonny Miller and all of us push, push in the bush on the train and going off our oh, head. Oh, that's a fucking, fucking famous chapter, like, isn't it? You know, remember like Johnny, I was <laughs> yeah. on tour for two years and then Box came. Yeah. And, and Rossi Clark and then Schmoo came. So I was like, Sweaty had a couple of years on the boys and they were like, you know, we were doing it. So yeah. I would just – his dedication to his academic life was already very much in our face at a young age. Mm-hmm. I was blown away with it. Um, you know, him and Brock Little, when Ross Clark Jones – did I tell you this? When Rock, Ross came Jones – Blew Wymere apart when he was a kid. Mm. Johnny Shamuka and Brock rocked up the Ross's Turtle Bay at midnight wanting to fight him. Johnny was going to fight fucking 
Ross. <laughs> he probably no. he fucking knows because he was going to fight with Brock because Ross had. That's Hawaiian love and respect. Oh, wow. They must have went around and said, yeah, you fucking do it that good. Let's how you do it here, bro. And <laughs> Rossi Clark became Hawaiian that night yep. with the boys. So <sighs> that's Johnny Shamuka. And, wow, he went and, over there in front yeah, of him. Yeah, and Brock, they both did. Ross wasn't coming out. He, he, he was loving the boys to start with. He was yep. probably having a good night off his head too. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, the Hawaiian boys... We fucking love the Hawaiian boys. Yeah. We love them. And yeah. John's part of that team, mate. He is, isn't He's he? That, front that's line. We've got to send Matty Lou, Jason Magalinas, the boys. Yep. <sighs> Ross, all of yous. Um, Schmooze surfing. Just look like I wouldn't mind just diving into that a little bit. You, you mentioned before, like Low one of the best small way surfs yeah. about that. But he was the guy before Fanning who was known for speed. Like he was yeah. known as the fastest surfer in the world for a little while there. I think he won the contest in Florida one year one in six inch waves. Yeah, right. Six it, it inches wasn't just moving. small wave surfing. It was just that down the line sort of pocket rocket speed, right? He just well, had he was that. a pocket rocket. Yeah. He was, he was as wide as he was tall when he got older. Mm. But when he was younger, he was really thin and vibrant. Yeah. Like really fast. You wouldn't want to have a heat with him in little waves, you know. You know, we, we, here's a good story for all the Hawaiians. We love you over there and everybody in the world and we love Johnny so hard. Johnny won an Australian titles here in the Masters some years back, so he's got an Aussie title. He's written in Australian in stone, man. He's written in history here for being an Aussie champion. I'll tell you what, I've won two in 15 years of trying. They ain't easy to be an Australian champion and Johnny won. And um, the other three or four months ago we had the last state titles here and John competed and I competed and we ended up in the same quarterfinal. Mm. And it's like six to eight foot, solid as with ten foot sets. And John and I are the only two that made it out into the quarterfinal. So we had a man-on-man heat. And um, we wanted to win that heat so fucking bad, I'll tell you. He sat there and I sat there and he looks over and he goes, Sweaty! (laughs) And I'm like, Shmoo! It's on, eh? And he goes, Sweaty, let's just catch some good waves and do it. I think. Don't fucking talk (laughs) shit to me, Hawaiian. You want to kick my ass, bruh. I'm getting the bomb. I'm going for it. He just started laughing. Fuck, how fun, eh? That must have just been like time traveling, huh? Just straight back to a heat. How privileged am I to know that I surfed the last man on man heat on Mm. earth with our brethren? Yeah. Yeah, I had a. That's beauty, eh? I mean, I had the the, the great pleasure of, of commentating with him. Uh, in the last event before the, same the one, COVID right? shutdown, yeah, it was yeah. the uh, the Manly yeah. Sydney Surf Open, uh, the Challenger Series event down there, and we had a blast, man. We had a blast. You oh, know, you when like that guy's it. talking about surfing, when he's looking about surfing, when he's surrounded by surfing, just buzzing out of his face. Um, mm, just you know. Yeah, fun. you guys did some great commentary. Yeah, it was fun. Mate. Good it's on you. Just, just a lot of fun, and yeah. we're fortunate. We're so fortunate for having the Shmooey yeah. Men. I called him the Shmooey Men. I love him. I yeah, I used to. You know, he's just. I love him a lot. Really bummed that he's gone, and um, yeah, I just hope we that. love him. The World Surf Family. This is a Shmoo broadcast. It is, man. And uh, memory of the great John Shmooka. Yeah, Rest yeah. In peace. Fucking love to you, bro. Uh, you mentioned Pagey. The illness took him. I mean, how do we stop the illness from taking people? How do you fight back against an illness as elusive and abstract as depression? I mean, what was, what, what was your secrets? Um, well, I'm lucky I had a property here 
because I said to myself when I broke down after France, I think there's a lot of egocentric centricity going through our blood. Look, I think we have to get off pumping our young kids who have been great surfers and let them know that if you're a great surfer, hey, brother or sister, you're already being blessed if God's real. You've got a blessing to walk on the fucking water where no one else can walk. Mm. So if you can do that, how about pulling your fucking head in and see the other brothers and sisters are struggling to even get a fucking wave or get out. So when I see the kids today surfing who are unreal and they don't carry those code of ethics, I don't give them shit. I'll give all the respect to that grovelling person who's putting that effort in. So I came through the ego space. Me going to jail and having a breakdown in France was a melting of the bullshit that I'd gathered and I collected a fucking trainload of bullshit. And I think a lot of us do. Ego is the furthest description from the truth of who we are and we don't need to promote that anymore. We're meant to be riding water and getting our spirit to feel happier, more relaxed, and that sharing's got to be part of that now. There's a lot of people in the water. And uh, I'm going to give a big shout-out to Nathan Fletcher sitting in the water at Rocky Point one day and there was 100 guys and I was getting heated up going, fuck this, fuck that. And I looked to Nathan and I said, hey, bro, how do you deal with this, Nathan? <laughs> and he said, hey, Pagey, I call it group therapy, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's fucking amazing, so Nathan man. Fletcher, group therapy <laughs> yes. has just been introduced to the world, Yes. Love it. Crowded Surf now is known as Group Therapy under Nathan Fletcher. I surfed Chopu on a crowded day with 40 people. It was five foot with eight foot bombs and we were all hassling to get the eight, ten foot wave and Nathan sat on the inside and rode three, four footers and smiled the whole session. Mm. And at one dinner that night, this was the first trip to Chopu when we were young and I said, you are the king. You fucking had no ego. You didn't hassle anyone. You didn't go for anything. Just you found just yourself rode, in the spot. Road beautiful ways. When it was as, meant to be. Same yeah. as what Tom Curran always did. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Same deal. Yep. And then I said to him, hey, Nate, you know that monster wave you rode? You were carried on a magic carpet, bro, and didn't fucking end up in a thousand pieces. <laughs> because of your <laughs> honesty to Chopu those years before. And he said, Pagey, I haven't ridden another wave at Chopu's since. Yeah, wow. man. Yeah. And he knew that was a spiritual blessing because of what he laid down. So that stuff's real to me. Mm. And if it ain't real and it's just in my head, I'm having a fucking good time with it. Fucking And uh, Pagey, I know you've got a fair bit of experience with, you know, Tibetan Buddhism. Uh, you've you've travelled to India. You've met the Tibetans. I mean, one of the things I've gleaned from their teachings is this idea of uh, you know dualism and the idea to to avoid this con- this idea of dualism, which is That's, basically we're all trying to avoid, but it's yeah. so hard, isn't it? And, right? and, but surfing to me almost seems like it's the epitome of dualism. It's the and the idea of dualism is like that. Um, you know, we're separate, you know, we're in competition like... Um, well, it isn't. It's got that side. But it, can, it can be. Like, we're trying to get out of that side. That's right. It's a constant battle. But the way surf culture is set up, it's almost promoting you into an in- individualist, um, you know, it's you, against the, it's you against the crowd. You're always bummed when it's crowded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, well, that might be... Yeah, it's, it's, that's a, it's, a, it's never been group therapy at a place like Snapper. It's more like electroshock therapy when you're out there because <laughs> well, it's like just... Talk, Snapper, <laughs> I'm losing it, but... Yeah, but that's a collective. That's a yeah. collective. And you know what? That's Sorry to say, it's right? a culture. That's a low yeah. collective. That's yeah. not an upbeat collective. Sorry to say you've got the best way in the world, but I'm sorry, boys. It ain't a fucking – it's the most unhappy surf spot I've ever surfed ever. I don't oh, think I've heard a, that a lot. It's Ooh, a lot. So and, and people yeah. have got to try – there's a lot more humans now, you know. But, um, and a lot of guys from – sorry to cut you off, but a lot of guys from 
you know, your era in particular struggle with that crowded nature and, and surfing I almost feel like it's making people sicker than it is helping them in, in, if you approach it the wrong way. If you approach it. We've got to set this up in the board clubs. Board clubs are responsible for this fucking shit. All right, we all have board clubs and we all rip it up and then we send our best clothes out on the surf break putting shit on every other guy that's in the water. That's fucked up. If you're the best fucking surfer, you need to be the most humble of it all. Now, the other side to that does happen natural. We talk about the group therapy or what other therapy. It is water off a duck's back. Surfing teaches us all. You ride a wave and you're in love with that wave. Next minute you fall off. You don't sit there and cry for two hours about the wave. You just paddle out and try to find another one. Mm. So that's that other side to which balances it out. Yeah. The fact that we're constantly on a pleasure ride. Next minute it's taken away from us. And yeah. You're not allowed to be salty. you just got to smile and see if you can collect that nice go again, you know? Yeah, it's just about enjoying that process as opposed to, you know, I – Maybe it's ripping it to pieces. Like there's just so much stress and angst in surfing now. Whereas well, I feel like it used to be about, you know, when the ancient Hawaiians were doing it, it was just about going dead straight and fucking enjoying the ride. Yeah, but Christian man. Fletcher speaks about it. He says, look, he'll go down to T Street and there's ten people in the water and he'll paddle out and they'll give him, de- give him stink eye. Then he'll go to the skate park and now later there's 200 guys in. When he walks up, they bang their skateboard and they're smiling. It's about the commodity. Mm. He's got an endless commodity supply of the skate park and surfing has a limited commodity. That's right. Right. So board riders, if they can understand the depth of their push, we can start the education in board clubs because board clubs and board rider clubs are the greediest, all of us, me included, okay? Fucking why is Hawaii unreal? Because we all go to Hawaii, we're all fucking greedy motherfuckers from every surf spot in the world and next me you're on the North Shore and you know what? They don't give a fuck where you're coming from. You've got no business there until you've got 10, 20 years. So bite on your fucking apple and learn humility for the first time. So I think if we can get the board clubs educated to get the ego out and the sharing vibe going and knowing that we're going to... Look, it's not even crowded yet. There's going to be 10 times more people. If we don't sort this now... Mm. And I've already found the solution. Do you know what the solution is? People rock with me and if us three went surfing to a point break and there was 50 guys in the water, who are you two dropping in on? <laughs> me, right? Now, that's real. Mate, that, no, no, there's no it, fucking way no dropping chance. on you on that 11 foot no, but, heavy glass listen, yellow fucking axe machine. You love, too. Hey, listen to this, yeah. you'll love this, but if we go in a crowded spot, we yeah. know we can ride with each other because there's not enough weight. Nah, it's yet. true, man, it's true. So I yeah. already had this, the vision one day that I'll set up camp down here with all these different coloured singlets. So guys that come along and they're just in the beginning level, they might want to rent the red singlet and there might be 30 people out with red singlets knowing they can ride the same wave together. Then on the middle class guys <laughs> might be on the fucking yellow singlets and then the blue ones are the bit the guys that go off their heads. So when I see Vaughnie with his blue singlet or brother with his blue singlet, I know I'm on the blue. I'm kind of <laughs> dropped in. We can do virtual yeah. ride with each other. Yeah, Do you see this coming? Oh, I, I, it seems inevitable, is really. Is it the page theory? Sharing is going to I think it's already in to... a Chinese wave pool. It's a <laughs> yeah. somewhat similar scene to it. Let's just go over the falls and headbutt <laughs> each other then. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, I, I guess... but I, one thing, sorry. I'm not putting shit on the snapper bank. Those guys have got a phenomenon happening too. They're, they're a local little country town that are just – Envelop yeah. where the thousand yeah. of the world's best serves every day. So yeah. they're you no forget, different. You forget that wasn't that long ago that the that Goldie wasn't this no, it wasn't what seething mass That's of right. just absolute fucking like. No wonder he bought the whole street. That's yeah. fuck, you're taking yeah. our ways, you're not having the street. But you know, like it was only Rabbit when Rabbit was a grommet, it was just 
You know, they, they were surfing per, for 28-day in a row swells with six guys out. We don't even get cyclone swells anymore. No. They haven't been in 30 they're, they're years. They're saying this year maybe, but we'll see. I guess the irony is, is like the better you are at surfing, the more entitled you feel – uh, for waves, mm. getting the best waves in every session, and in turn, and the more miserable you are of the crowds, and in turn, the more fucking miserable. It doesn't miserable... have to be that. It doesn't. It doesn't. Kelly Slater set the best. Look, Kelly but Slater that, was in Lotus. It often for so turns long. out that way. Mm. Yeah, I think the people who are running that sort of style are, are left behind today. It's like um, we're on a spiritual quest. You're here for a short period. You're going to fucking die. You're going to lay down in your bed and you're going to watch the movie in your head, how how it all went down if you're lucky. Mm. So. To go in the water each day and be able to sort of have a baptism and, and, and wash the collective negatives that you pick up each day like a sponge off is a beautiful place for all of us. And we have to mature now as a surfing community and have these discussions. We're the elders now. We're not fucking letting the kids. The, the surfing industry came with all their money and gave all these kids money and said, you're gods. They ain't fucking gods. They're wet behind the fucking ears, okay? Stop that bullshit, mm. Okay. They've done it for so long. Let's use Tony Ray as an example. One of the greatest, one of the Victoria's greatest, biggest watermen. And so many times he had to get so many jobs when they just, Quicksilver and all these companies were paying so many people. Mm. And I've seen this for a long time. So I think that's what hurt us. I'm not taking Quicksilver down there, a fantastic brand. They're soulful boys from down there. I'm just saying that you can't just keep paying all this homage to little kids that don't know fucking shit. You mm. can't do this anymore. You can look after well, them. I, I, they've, got to, they've got to paddle out in the water yeah. where they're worth 20 fucking million. And they, oh, it, know, it does feel – it feels to me like having been sort of like uh, on the coalface when uh, money was getting – proper money was getting thrown at kids. You know, like not just – Not proper not, money, no, beyond, beyond money. Oh, yeah, beyond Decadence money. Decadence beyond Ridiculous the world money, ever seen. You know, when the Coolie kids came through, uh, Fanning no. was 15, 16 on six figures. Yeah. Uh, and you, you could see that – there was something pretty special coming with those kids. But yeah. on the back of that, everyone started getting fucking wild amounts of coin because the surfing was growing. It was all youth-based. No one even – you know, there, there was a revolt. Kidman had already started it. But with, none of that money, none of that money ever went into goodness, went into well, poker it, it machines never, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly, mate. Never that, went, Australia's got a lot of sickness on its hands. It does. The yeah. wealth that Australia thinks the yobboism in the poker but machines. But you don't see piss. that anymore. That's what I'm saying. Like That's since wrong. the GFC, since the basically that massive crash where the egos and the money and everything capped out and then just fucking fell off a cliff. You want to go into another slow, level they don't know? You yeah, well, cannot fucking build surfing names like we've got anymore. you got no system, no fucking planes, mm. no fucking money. You wonder kids are at home. We don't even know who the fuck they are now. <laughs> so you, where's your investment going to be mm. into the names and the surfers and the brands that are built because you fucking can't build them today? Did you know that? I think the voice of the elders, though, mate, like haven't – You've got to hear what I said. They can't build names today like they built in the nah, past. No, nah. You can't build Kelly Slater or Mick Fenning today. You don't have a trillion-dollar nah. industry. You don't have a surfing industry that's travelling the world. You don't have cameras. You don't have millions and millions of dollars invested. So you will not build these iconic brands and names again. Mm -hmm. Get ready. How are you going to build your fucking brand? And your names and your fucking heroes now. That's why Smoothie and fucking Deadly are that's all over the cream. That's the fucking creamy oh. yeah, And that's that's why I called it <laughs> cream surfing. Yeah. Because we now have to share, and it's cream is another philosophy. Cream surfing is born here. Mm. Cream started for me in Europe. Cream is a philosophy and a heart thing. We are the cream. Yeah. To help the old woman across the road, you're the cream. 
You get a 10-second tube, but you didn't help that old lady cross the road. You ain't fucking nothing. That's the irony, man. Like, well, you know, I do a bit of work at a soup kitchen, right? And, like, yeah. it feels better to be fucking peeling spuds in some Ooh. dungeon for mm. poor people than now, it does getting spat out of a fucking... Because there's no value There's the no value in winning for yourself. Nah. That's right. And the, the you get gr- sick that's on the that. Truth. You get sick that's on that. That's the truth, mate, for sure. You do. And we've been... Uh, you get you know, the 10-second tube ride and you've had a bunch of them or you hand that wave over to some kid that never had a wave and he got a four or five-second barrel and you watched his eyes for the rest of your life and every time you've seen him for 30 years down the beach, he looked at you with that same love for that one wave. Yeah, you mate, yeah. Like, you can't fucking buy that and all you fake cunts out there that think you've got surf shops and surf brands, suck balls for the second time because <laughs> you ain't getting the fuck in. Knight couldn't buy their way in. How the fuck are you getting in for the second mm. time? We've got the reset. These guys are doing the reset. Is that it? Let's wrap this on the, on the okay, love machine because we've got to get going. Okay, Skippy, the boys have got to go. We're, we're definitely them. getting Pagey back on again, right? 100%. He's the spiritual advisor, the warlord, <laughs> fucking pin. shaman. We come here for the wisdom. We come here for the love. Oh, we can't leave without uh, getting a few of your... Just one we, story on me red yeah, skateboard. Yeah, and insight. I, I need to get some insights of, about the spirit molecule since you, you, know, you have a long history with... Uh, well, oh, of course, yeah. First I'll go... <laughs> the orange sunshine. First Hang growing on. up in Chippendale, Redfern as a kid with my mum and my dad, I got that skateboard at six years of age. I walked up the street, I think it was in Chippendale there, Ivy Street, and I walked up the road and I stuck that skateboard on the hill and I stood on it and went down that hill and my body wasn't walking and it wasn't running. It was doing something that it had never done before and I thought I was flying... Yeah, and that was it. Surfer Sam, it's called. And that was it. I was going to be a surfer after that. I would put these photos of Jerry Mannion. Remember Jerry Mannion? They call him Pop Out from... Cronulla, Kingpin, Single Fin, Shark Island. I had this poster of him on my wall and I'd see him in this 15-foot barrel and I would ask him every day, why did you go in there? Like, fucking, why did you go in there, mate? It's it's (laughs) too big. And I used to have pain and be was like disturbed the why he wanted to be in such a, yeah. a big place it could kill him. I love that. And then I would That's a good question. I would become him and stand on my bed and be Jerry Mannion in the tube. And then I'd see it's gonna close out and I'd dive off on the bed and start laughing like he took the wipe out and I never had to do the wipe out. Wow. <laughs> but I rode the fucking barrel that Jerry Mannion rode about for three years, I reckon. <laughs> oh God, it's good. Anyway, so I don't know what else to say. Well, from riding barrels in your bedroom and getting spat out onto your bed to um, tripping on acid, I mean, it's a seamless segue, really. But uh, talk I think, to the, I think the Buddhists sum it up. They say when you see a large expanse of water, meditate upon it. What do we do? We all go and sit in the water. What happens? Contemplation, reflection of our life. We dump out the stuff that's not needed and we sort of sit there in between ways trying to toss up. Is it Mary or is it Suey or fucking what are we going to eat tonight or whatever? And I, and I think we go through that contemplative reflection and that's the whole purpose people go to do yoga and they sit in caves and they meditate for what we do in the water in mm. between ways mm. so if you if you know like they say again it takes 20 years to learn to surf and 20 more years to know if you're going to surf for the rest of your life so i suppose that's me signing out thanks for coming to dungati in dungati country here boys you bring your soul and you know you live here, bro. You're done, Gunny. You are on. You, you belong on country. We want to thank my and Pa Button. We want to thank everybody. We want to thank all the Dungaddy mob, and we're going to have that whole Crescent Head full of black fella surfing soon. Yeah, when you come into Crescent Head, just on the right side, 100 metres up on the right, it's a little old brown building. If you sneeze, you'll miss me. But What's if you come, address? 
Yeah. Type into Google Maps these days. Mm. Well, let's just say it's the let's just say it's the Crescent Head Road because it says Angus McNeil. My address is the back. But okay. Let's just say as soon as you pull onto the Crescent Head Road. It's 200 metres up on the, the right yeah. side. Look for the cream it's sign on the street. Anyone who's yeah, been to Creso knows building. that you, you sort of, you, you burn past, uh, you, you do the turn off at South Kempsey and it's literally 50 metres around the corner. You, you can't on miss it. On the right it. side, yeah. And it's, it's not just a surf shop, mate. It's, it's a It's house, a surfboard museum, it's mate. It's a holy house of It is. It's like a surf church. Fucking, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a special place. We just feel blessed with good people coming in here from yeah, everywhere man. and bring their love and their soul. But, uh, thanks for being here, Pagey. Thanks for bringing in your love, boy. Fucking legend, man. Yo, yo. Yo. Are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? 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 Kidding me? Kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. 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 Oh, you gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me, right? You gotta be kidding me. What? You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? You kidding me. You kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you fucking 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 kidding me?